Man, I'm a blubbering mess. I love being a part of this church. This is a great congregation. Uh, my name's Luke. I'm one of the ministers here at PCC, and we are kicking off a brand new sermon series today called I Dare You, and we are talking about money. It is gonna be a party. And uh, we're, we're calling this series I Dare You because we're basing it off of one of the coolest texts in all of scripture in regards to our finances, and it's Malachi chapter three. And in Malachi chapter three, God is talking to these people that he has saved. He's talking to these people who claim to follow him, his people people. And he says, hey, you guys are robbing me. And they're like, what? how are we robbing you? And God says, you're robbing me because you're not bringing me the right offerings. You're not giving me the full tithe. And so God then gives his people this amazing challenge in Malachi chapter three, verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is amazing, you understand? Because all throughout the Bible, we're told not to test God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. All throughout scripture, we're told don't test God except for one time, right here. God says, test me in this. And he's talking about our money. He's saying, hey, give me the whole tithe. Trust me with your money. Try me and see if I don't bless your socks off. That's an amazing challenge. That's why we're calling this series, I Dare You, because this is a bold challenge. And and next week, Steve's gonna be preaching on I Dare You to Love, how we're called to use our finances generously because of how God has generously loved us, and we're called to then generously love others. And then he's gonna be talking about I Dare You to Give. But this week, today, we're kicking things off, talking about I Dare You to Trust. So will you pray with me, and then we'll jump in together. God, we love you so much, and and you are worthy of our trust, God, because you've been so generous with us. You've been so kind to us. You've provided for us in every way. You have given us so many blessings. The fact that we can, can live here and gather together without fear, the fact that you've given us this community to be a part of, the fact that you've given this church these little babies. Thank you so much for that. God, thank you for giving us every spiritual blessing in Jesus that you've given us the gift of salvation and forgiveness and life and joy and hope and forgiveness and peace and freedom. Thank you. Thank you for filling us with your Holy Spirit, giving us the hope of heaven. You've proven yourself trustworthy time and time again. You've earned it. And yet, God, trust is still hard. It's, it's still hard for us to trust you. Our hearts are fickle, and especially money's a really sensitive topic. And so I just pray, God, that you would lead us in every way to trust you today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As Christians, we talk a lot about the concept of believing, right? We talk a lot about belief, and rightly so, because the Bible talks a lot about believing. In, in verses like John three 16, you've heard this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Bible talks a lot about believing. And, and, and so we ask questions about this, like, hey, are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus? And, and those are good questions to ask. But if we're not careful, sometimes we can be at risk of boiling down that concept of believing to meaning just like mentally agreeing that a list of facts are true. So like, you know, do you believe that Jesus was the son of God, fully man, fully God, born of a virgin, that he came here to earth, he lived a perfect life, he died a death on a cross that he did not deserve, that he was buried, three days later he rose again to new life, he ascended into heaven where he is right now, seated at the right hand of the Father, awaiting his return where he will come and establish his kingdom fully and make all things new. Do you believe that? Yeah, I I do too. I believe that that is true. And so biblical belief is definitely not less than that, believing that's true, but, 
But the biblical concept of belief is, is also a little bit more than that, more than just believing that that's true. I come from Missouri, y'all know this, and, and Missouri is known as the show me state, which means I don't just want you to give me some words. I don't just want you to tell me about it. I want you to show me. I need some solid, hard evidence. I want some proof. The proof is in the pudding, right? And the biblical concept of belief is a lot like that. In fact, the Bible teaches that to truly believe is to trust. To truly believe is to trust. And trust is a step deeper than just mentally agreeing that some facts are true. Trust is more than just head knowledge. Trust is being willing to act in light of that head knowledge. And, and just believing that some facts are true, that's pretty safe. But, but trust isn't always safe. Trust is sometimes risky. It's putting your money where your mouth is. Trust sometimes means letting go. We did a little exercise at the church this week to show what trust really looks like. Take a look. All right, everybody. So for our next team building exercise, we're going to do an activity that maybe some of you have done, maybe some of you haven't. It's called a trust ball because we're learning how to trust each other. So Steve, you're our leader. Why don't you go ahead and come on, hop up here, hop okay. up here. All right. And what this is, since we're learning how to trust each other, is you got to close your eyes. So go ahead and close your eyes. Okay. And on the count of three, you are going to fall and trust that we are going to catch you. Okay. okay. So everybody right. gather around, Please gather around. Hands, like this yep. Right. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. Okay. Great, great job. Gather around. All right. Are you ready? So on the count of three, you're going to fall. Ready? One, two, three. No, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> Steve's going to be having facial reconstruction surgery this week, so <laughs> uh, poor guy. No, Steve, Steve believed the fact that we were going to try our best to catch him, but then he trusted. He was willing to act in light of that belief, and that's what God calls us to. He calls us to an action-based trust because we serve a God who doesn't just want to be our Savior. He also wants to be our Lord. We talk a lot about those two terms, that Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. And the term Savior refers to the fact that Jesus is the one who saves us. He rescues us from sin and death. And that term Savior occurs in your New Testament about 25 times. It's fairly common. But the term Lord, which refers to the fact that Jesus wants to be the boss of your life and in charge of your actions, and he wants to be the one who controls the decisions that you make, that term Lord appears in your New Testament over 600 times. We don't just have a savior, we also have a Lord. So will you trust him enough to obey what he's asking you to do? And we see this all throughout the Bible, don't we? That, that Noah, he didn't just believe the fact that God said he was gonna send some rain. Oh yeah, okay, I think he might. No, Noah built an ark as proof of his trust. And Abraham didn't just believe in theory that God could provide for him. He left his home, not knowing where he was going. And he even laid his son down on the altar as proof of his trust. And Joshua didn't just believe hypothetically that God could defeat his enemies and was strong enough to do that. Joshua went and marched around the walls of Jericho with just some trumpets like a junior high marching band as proof of his trust. And David didn't just believe the fact that, yeah, I bet God's probably strong enough to beat my enemies. No, he, he marched up against and fought Goliath one-on-one -on -one as proof of his trust. And, and Peter didn't just believe that Jesus could walk on the water. Peter got out on the water with him as, as proof of his trust. And, and Jesus didn't just believe, he didn't just say that he thought God's plan was best and that God could raise the dead, I guess, if he wanted to. No, Jesus went all the way to the cross, even when he would have loved an easier way out as proof of his trust. To truly believe is to trust. 
Faith does not exist apart from obedience. They go hand in hand. We prove our faith by being faithful, by acting on the basis of our belief. In fact, the, the, the Greek word in the New Testament, this verb for to believe, is the word pistuo. This word pistuo means to believe, and that word pistuo is actually a relationship word. It's a relational word used in the context of relationships. It means that you and I have been in a relationship for long enough that I can now trust you and who you say you are. Not just because you say it, but because we've been in this relationship long enough that you have proven your actions over time. You have acted consistently, and so I know that I can place my confidence in you because of this relationship that we have. That's pistuo. It's an action-based trust. To truly believe is to trust in the context of a relationship. And so specifically, I'm gonna ask you today to trust two relationships. I'm gonna ask you to trust on two levels. And the first one is quite simple. Quite simply, I, I wanna ask you to trust us. Trust us as your church family. Trust Plainfield Christian Church. The fact that you are here this morning means that at some level, you trust us with the care of your souls. And that is a huge and heavy responsibility that we don't take lightly. We take that very, very seriously. And I think if you can trust us with the care of your souls, I think you can also trust us with your money. Because everything we have here in this church belongs to God. It, we're, we're trusting him for provision in all of it. This is all his. And one of the best ways that God provides for us is actually through your generosity. As a church staff, we get to spend our weeks studying and teaching God's word and helping God's people in large part because you guys have made that possible. We don't have to go get side jobs to support ourselves because of your generosity. So thank you because the fact that I'm in ministry means I don't have any actual skills. So I'm really grateful. <laughs> I, I seriously, I'm so humbled that you all would be generous, that you would, that you would entrust us. I'm honored that you would entrust us with this responsibility. Thank you for your generosity. I love getting to be a part of this church. Thanks for trusting us. And that's a, that's a rare thing, honestly, in this world where as a society, we have an ever-increasing distrust of organizations and institutions, including the church. And so I just want you to know today that you can trust us as your church family that the funds that you give to this church will be used with integrity. We believe wholeheartedly that this is God's church and that it's God's money, not ours. We have a great team of financial staff and volunteers and every week before they count the money, they soak the whole process in prayer because it's God's, it's not ours. We partner with an independent outside firm that specializes in church finances to help us make sure that we're doing financial things according to best practices and making sure that every dollar is used and protected and accounted for well. From the moment that your dollar hits the offering basket or comes in online, that whole process is covered in confidentiality and privacy. Steve and I have no idea who gives what. We don't touch the money and we like it that way. There are layers and layers of accountability and transparency and accuracy to make sure that every cent is properly accounted for. We use secure technology and we follow strict protocols to make sure that the money is protected well from your pocket to our safe to the bank account and then eventually until it gets distributed to where it is needed most. Our team works really hard to budget well and we make those budgets available to you to see every year because we wanna be good stewards of God's resources that he's entrusted us with. And we wanna spend his dollars even more frugally than we would spend our own. So I want you to know today on the first level that you can trust us as your church family. But secondly, and far more importantly, I wanna dare you to trust God, to trust God. Because God made that promise. He made that challenge to his people there in Malachi chapter three, that if they would trust him, he would bless them. Test me in this, God says. 
And actually, right before he gives that challenge in verse 10, back in verse six, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. In other words, exactly right now, in this precise moment, God's character is the exact same as it was back then. So you can still trust him. Which is why I'd encourage you to, to memorize these verses about trusting God. These are great words to live by. Proverbs 3, verses five and six says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. This spring, I got to meet some people who really live according to that principle and they really do trust God for everything. I got to travel to Austria this spring and meet some of our global impact partners and I met these local pastors and one of them was a pastor of a really small congregation in Albania. And he said to me, he said, in Albania, we have no budget. Our area churches, we get together every month and we start to, to talk about our vision and we start with 11,000 euros. Now keep in mind, that, that's not much money. That's less than $15,000. And he says, and that has to cover taxes and rent and salaries. This pastor said, we had an analyst come in like an economist and he was not a Christian. And he looked at our numbers and he said, you're done. <laughs> you're dead. No chance. So, the pastor said, we depend on the Holy Spirit and miracles. Wow, they're they're trusting God to be faithful. And he has been every single time. To truly believe is to trust. So I wanna challenge you to trust God. One of the names actually in the Bible for God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. In other words, providing for us is not just something that God does, it's actually who he is. He is, in his very nature, a provider. Do you trust that? Every night at our house, before we put the boys in bed, we read uh, this little children's Bible with Judah and Calvin. And Judah loves to look, uh, he loves the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. He loves to look at the little picture of the little boy bringing his food to Jesus. And Judah will point at that picture and he'll say, bring him a snack. Fish, bread. <laughs> We're like, yeah, but yeah, buddy, he did. He gave his snack to Jesus. And, and, and then what, what, what did Jesus do with the snack, dude? And, and Judah will say, more snack, more snack. <laughs> and, and that's true. I mean, Jesus, Jesus always has been, is, and always will be a provider. Do, do you trust that? Our, our letters from Paul in the New Testament that we read, a lot of these letters are actually fundraising letters that were written to, to raise money or were written as thank you notes for gifts that he had already received. And in one of those letters, which is our New Testament book of Philippians, Paul says this in Philippians 4.19. He says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's, that's an amazing promise. Do you trust that? I mean, do you, do you believe that our God is a good and generous father who will provide for you? Do, do you believe he's a provider? Well, then I, w- I would challenge you to prove it to act in light of that belief. Now let's pause right here for a second because maybe by this point in the message, maybe I've already lost you. Maybe you're sick of hearing us talk about money. Maybe you're wondering why we even have to talk about this. Maybe you're a guest here with us today and you walked in and the first thing you heard is us start talking about money and you're thinking, great, another preacher man just after my wallet. So so, so why are we talking about this? Why are we spending the next three weeks talking about biblical finances? Why are we talking about money? Well, for starters, the Bible talks a lot about money. There's over 2,000 passages in God's word that deal with money. That's a lot. And Jesus talks a lot about money too. 15% of what Jesus says has to do with money. That's more than his teachings on heaven and hell combined. 
must be pretty important. A third of his parables have to deal with money. So maybe a better question would be to ask, why does Jesus talk so much about money? Well, I think it's because he thinks it's important. And we wouldn't accuse Jesus of being greedy, right? So there has to be another reason. I think the reason is this. Every dollar you get is a test of your trust. Every dollar you get is a test of your trust. If you have a dollar bill in your pocket right now or a coin out in the cup holder in your car, you'll know that on it, it says, in God we trust. That's the national motto of the United States of America. In God we trust. It's printed on all of our money. And yet, ironically, it's often our money that reveals that we don't yet fully trust God. Here's the thing we gotta remember. God doesn't actually need your money. Like, he, he's doing fine. It all belongs to him anyway. He's not operating in the red. He doesn't need your money. So why does he ask for our money? It's because more than your money, God's after your heart. That's what he wants. And when Jesus was asked one time what the greatest commandment was, he said in Matthew chapter 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. God's after your heart. But Jesus also says that maybe one of the best indicators that God has your heart is if he also has your wallet. Matthew chapter six, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if in God you trust, your money will prove it. Every dollar you get is a test of your trust. And hear me, this is about a whole lot more than you just putting money in the offering basket at PCC when it comes around. This is about the general principle of do you trust God enough to structure the whole financial plan of your life according to the wisdom he gives us in scripture? Do you trust that he knows what is best for you and your money? Because he does give us a lot of wisdom. In the Bible, we find things like, hey, keep track of your money and, and stick to a budget and don't get in debt. And if you are in debt, get out of debt and uh, don't spend money that you don't have and learn the freedom of simplicity and you'll find more joy in being content than you will in coveting. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And lasting joy is never gonna be found in accumulating more money and more stuff and more toys. I mean, do you believe that? Do you believe that God's wisdom for you is best? Do you trust him? Well, if so, I would challenge you to, to act on it. Maybe you could sell something and, and give the proceeds to somebody in need. Or maybe this Christmas, for every present you get your kids, you have them give something away. Or, or, or maybe you buy presents for a family in need instead of accumulating more stuff this holiday season. Maybe you could enroll in our next round of Financial Peace University coming up in January so you can learn how to get out of debt and how to master your money instead of letting your money master you. Maybe if you take this really seriously, every day this month, you could give away one thing that you don't use anymore just to free yourself from the love of things and materialism. Maybe you could support a, a kid or, or, or multiple children through Compassion International. When I was in college, there was a retired couple that gave me $500 every semester just to help me pay for school. That's amazing. Do you know how huge that was for a young guy trying to get on his feet? Maybe you could do that for somebody else. Every dollar you get is a test of your trust. So do you trust God's wisdom enough to follow his wisdom for your money? When you walked in this morning, I hope you got one of these from the greeters. If not, you could grab one on the way out. These will be in your programs for the next couple weeks. These are commitment cards because we're challenging you to trust. We're gonna dare you to make a commitment based off of God's promise, what he says. 
And there's four options for a next step that you can take in trusting God. If you have never given before, this is all totally brand new to you, but you're ready to put your money where your mouth is, you're ready to try to trust God, then I'd encourage you to scratch off that first option that says start giving. We pass the offering basket around at the end of every service. There's never any pressure to give, but if you feel led to, you could drop something in there. Or you can go online to mypcc.info at any time. You can make a one-time gift. We could get you a record of what you've given if that would be helpful to you. Uh, maybe though, maybe you have given a little bit before and you're ready to take the next step and you're ready to start giving consistently. And if you're like me, sometimes the biggest barrier to you giving consistently is you just forget to do it. So also on mypcc.info, you can set up an automatic recurring gift so that you never forget. If that's you, scratch off that, scratch off that second option. Give consistently, take the next step of trust. Uh, maybe though, maybe you're ready to really take a leap and you're ready to start tithing. What that means is that you're ready to follow the biblical principle of giving the first 10% of what you get right off the top to God. Tithing was kind of the, the baseline expectation for generosity in the Old Testament. Maybe, maybe you're willing to do that. that. That's what my parents taught me growing up. My mom, she taped together these three peanut butter jars. And as a kid, every dollar I got, I put the first 10 cents in the jar that said give, the next 10 cents in the jar that said save, and the last 80 cents in the jar that said spend. Maybe you're ready to commit to that. If so, scratch off that option. And maybe finally, I know there's some of you in the room who already are tithing and some of you are already, already giving over and beyond. I'd encourage you, don't stop there. Trust God enough to take his word seriously. Test him in this. See what he'll do in your life. Maybe you could up your giving by 1% this year. See what he'll do. And you could scratch that option off. I know I've been really convicted in preparing for this sermon. So Rebecca and I, we're gonna sit down this week and try to look at the budget through eyes of trust and figure out what God is calling us to do. And I'd encourage you to do the same thing. You can, you can tear that sheet in half. I'd encourage you to drop that top half in the offering basket when it comes along. You don't need to put your information on it, totally anonymous, but we'd love to pray for you and the commitment that you're making. You can drop that in the offering basket later on or in the weeks to come and take that bottom half home just as a reminder to you to trust God, even with your money. I'd encourage you to do this. I wanna spend the last few minutes together today just reading some of the words of Jesus, who doesn't just wanna be our savior, but he also wants to be our Lord. And I challenge you to trust him and the wisdom he gives us about our money. Jesus says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters, Either you will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life doesn't consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. Then I'll say to myself, oh, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. And then, you will get what you've, then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Truly, I tell you, it is hard for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. To truly believe is to trust. And every dollar you get is a test of your trust. And God says, test me in this. So I dare you to trust. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that when we did choose to trust you and trust in the blood of your son, you saved us. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. You have proven yourself trustworthy time in and time and time again. And in every way, God, you have proven yourself faithful. We can trust you. You've earned our trust. And yet I know for myself, and I think probably for some others here too, there's still these pockets of our heart that really have a hard time letting go. We have a hard time trusting and so I ask God that you just show us what those are today, that you'd show us what step you want us to take to weed out the other things that we find our security and our hope in and that you would help us to be able to say honestly that we love you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. We wanna trust you, help us in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.